Hey everyone, it's Brad. Thanks for uh, taking the time to listen. Um, you know, today I I think the topic is going to be America. We need therapy. And you know, I I've been totally rattled the last couple of weeks by hearing different bits and pieces of stories about, um, you know, where we are as a country and and what we need to do. You know, on uh, 60 Minutes this weekend, they interviewed Condoleezza Rice, and uh, one of the things that she said that I found pretty profound was that America was born with a birth defect, and that birth defect was slavery. And, you know, as I started to think about that statement and I, you know, reflect back on what I've written and what I've talked about, which are that the the two weaknesses in um, our country right now are racism and sexism. And, you know, whether... Slavery or sexism, you know, they're, they're not unique to the United States. You know, they are culturally and geographically, you know, issues that come from all over the world. Um, you know, there's some spots in the Middle East where women can't drive, they can't vote. Um, you know, slavery has been a plague on multiple uh, societies uh, dating back to the Egyptians and the Jews all the way through um, modern slavery. And then, you know, how long did our country, which had this birth defect, take to recognize women and recognize um, minorities and African-Americans as a subsection, as, you know, par- part of the fabric of this country and part of our identity. Um, on 60 Minutes this weekend, again, there was a story of a, you know, a Mexican immigrant who came to the country 17 or 18 years ago fell in love, married a Greek immigrant. Um, When she was pregnant with their first, they did a trip to Niagara Falls. They made a wrong turn. He got stuck on the Canadian side of the border because he was an immigrant. He didn't have papers, but they let him back in as long as he agreed to leave the U.S. He chose not to leave the U.S. because his wife was having a high-risk pregnancy. You know, fast forward 15 years later, he owns a business in, you know, this small town in um, Indiana where, you know, he started as a busboy and worked his way all the way up to, you know, owner and chef. He employs 20 people. He's got three kids, all U.S. citizens uh, born here that go to school that, you know, are, are ingrained in the fabric. And three or four years ago, he got his temporary green card and he got his social security card and he started going to the INS for his checkups. 
And lo and behold, after Donald Trump passed the court order on immigration, um, lo and behold, he goes to his annual uh, check-in at the INS, and then a nice officer goes outside and informs his wife that he's being deported. Because 17 years ago, when he failed to leave the country, they issued a final removal order. Fast forward to today, Trump's immigration ban and crackdown on immigration, anybody with a final removal order was instructed to be removed. Regardless of the fact that he was working towards citizenship, he was going through the process. Like, to me, that is not the identity of the America that I want to be a part of. One that would destroy a family, destroy an entrepreneur, take, you know, take a father away from his daughters and son, right? Like, deport him. They moved them to nine different locations, finally deported him through Juarez. He's living in a homeless shelter. He's appealing the decision. It could take between two and four years before he gets back in the U.S. and reunited with his wife, who now has all the stress of running the business on her own, um, has to raise her kids on their own. And, you know, all because of what? Because, you know, we had another failure of a system because we didn't look at the individual, but rather we're looking at some broad, oh, we're going to get all the bad guys out. And, you know, I think about the same thing as it, you know, applies to the way in which racism drove the controlling population to basically create laws that now work against you know, African-Americans that get picked up with $25 worth of weed and all of a sudden it's like the end of the world. You know, I, I, um, there was all this talk about the Ninth Circuit Court and Trump was going to demand them, you know, you know, disband them. And I learned that the Ninth Circuit Court uh, ruled on a case where if you uh, apply for a medical marijuana license, you can't have a gun license. And the rationale was that, you know, you could have erratic behavior if you um, consumed cannabis. And, you know, the irony of that story is, but it's totally legal to consume alcohol. You know, I think if you were to look at um, gun violence and look at the difference between um, gun-related crimes that happened related to alcohol and gun-related crimes related to marijuana, I think you'd find very little violence related to the cannabis user. But when you peel back the layers again... Right, you realize that the federal government doesn't want to legalize cannabis 
because then that kills their whole war on drugs. That changes the Rockefeller laws. That changes their ability to, you know, send these young boys and kids away to jail for a really long time because they had a, you know, a quarter ounce of weed. Like all of a sudden, this system that they've created to keep, you know, people stuck in their inner city and stuck with no upward mobility, you know, all that's done is destroyed more families, similar to Roberto and the INS thing. Our drug policy has been used. So why is the real reason you can't legally have a cannabis card and own a gun? Well, it might have something to do that if you have cannabis in a firearm, it automatically becomes a, a felony under certain conditions. Um, like if you have a certain amount of cash, a certain amount of cannabis and a firearm, you know, then they're trying to make it out that, you know, you're a drug dealer. How could you be a law-abiding American who upholds their right to bear arms, but maybe you have a chronic ailment and for whatever reason, you know, cannabis in whatever form, CBD oil or an edible or whatever, might be the only way you get relief. I mean, obviously, if you went out and killed somebody and I guess they did your, you know, blood and they found out you were high, well, why would that be different than a crime with alcohol or any other drug? It makes absolutely no sense that, you know, it's alcohol is okay, but, you know, cannabis is not okay. And, you know, when you actually look at it, it's got nothing to do with that. It's all got to do with the control of the Rockefeller laws and the drug laws and the drug agency and all of this control. And, you know, it's, it's really, really starting to wear. And so the question is, you know, I, I saw the GOP decided to put together a committee of all white males to um, put together the future health care bill for the United States. Um, seems like maybe we should have um, a better representative population. Maybe, you know, at least one woman to share personal experience about women health issues. But yet, you know, it's like a, it's like a tagline on the news. But does anybody understand how fundamentally wrong that is? Right? Fundamentally wrong. You know, what was acceptable in the era of madmen probably wasn't acceptable. But it was tolerated and it was allowed because society at a whole, locally and internationally, was much more sexist than it is today. So I guess on the positive note, we are making forward progression and we are making a difference. But I still, you know, and I think Condoleezza Rice said it best, you know, it is. We, we've got these you know, issues and our birth defect, which is, you know, slavery and, and, and the, the racism that comes out of that, you know, we all need to understand that, you know, you can have a minor birth defect. A lot of kids are born with heart murmurs or, or whatever. 
and you know it's not that big of a deal they you know they they hear something and they say you know what okay and then some kids are born with what you know Jimmy Kimmel's son was born with you know a much 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 more catastrophic birth defect a birth defect which you might not survive and we you know we faced that as a nation right we had our founding fathers who many of them owned slaves we then had the civil war where you had brother against brother you had a, a nation divided could have been the end of the nation you know we've gone through the civil rights movement um and we made progress but only at the expense of um so many you know my my son and I were watching um you know a documentary on Martin Luther King and he he couldn't understand that there was segregation he didn't get it he he was so angry that people would even consider treating someone else like that and you know i i i think that's a a beautiful statement for for you know the fact that we are raising a a generation that that is you know not gender biased that is open to all races colors creeds you know but the the insanity that is the norm and how polarized it's gotten <laughs> today um you know my motto uh when people are not being nice is it's nice to be nice which is something my aunt shelly you know always you know tries to reinforce with the kids when they're not being nice which is you know it's always nice to be nice and anybody that knows me has heard me say you know the dalai lama says if you want to be greeted with a smile then smile and we're moving our office into this amazing uh new space in tribeca and um i was warned after i signed the lease but but uh i was warned that the people in the building were very difficult and um not only are they difficult but they just they're just like i mean they're they're irrational and um today i got a complaint that my um you know mexican workers were playing their latino music too loud I mean this is you know these first off ironic that they sent that complaint the day that the only people in the office were my awesome Jamaican crew of floor guys right so they weren't even in the office but obviously you know my guys music uh, I don't know if it was Friday afternoon at the end of the day before Cinco de Mayo but somebody got annoyed by the music regardless of all the noise from the construction site and and didn't even realize you know my wife happens to be half mexican my kids are a quarter mexican you know I didn't realize that that may just be rude and offensive um 
not to mention, like, seriously, you know, you're going to bust these guys who are working their asses off because they're, you know, $10, you know, three-inch, you know, portable speaker is making too much noise. I mean, give me a break. And then I come home today, and one of my neighbors tells me that she wants to file a formal complaint against somebody on her floor. And I said, well, what happened? And she said, well, this man walked out, this 50-something-year-old white man walked out with a baseball bat on his shoulder, and he told these two little Chinese kids and their Chinese grandfather, go back to China. And all of a sudden, I thought to myself, like, what is the recourse we have in today's society to basically tell that human being that that behavior will not be tolerated? Like, that you just can't say that. Like, in this building, actually, Chinese, Indian, black, white, Hispanic, Latino, birth defect, cripple, whatever it is, you are all welcome with equal love and equal acceptance and an equal opportunity to, you know, benefit from mutual respect and love. And and I I I've been all all night since having this conversation, just totally perplexed that, you know, maybe there is no recourse. You know, this guy doesn't seem to care. His response is, well, you know, what are you going to do to me? You know, I'm a racist. I'm a bigot. I'm a sexist. What are you going to do to me? And finally, I, I think we're seeing... You know, we've at least seen it with Fox, where they're, you know, after, you know, maybe years and years of tolerating a culture of of sexual harassment, you know, finally stepping up and, and creating some level of, of action um, against that. But I, again, wonder, like, what? What is the appropriate course of action? So, America, we do need therapy. We need to learn how to change the stereotypes and the misconceptions that may have been, you know, taught to us by a less awakened and evolved generation. We need therapy because we don't know how to talk to each other. We don't know how to communicate in a healthy fashion. If anything, the violence, um, the airlines, for example, you know, in the great words of uh, Guns and Roses, what we have here is a failure to communicate, right? People have got their values and their understanding wrong. Like, the police are here to protect and serve. 
That is their obligation. And, you know, while there may have been a whole bunch of things that have happened, you know, the police have a really, really tough job. It's getting tougher. They're not winning any popularity contests. Um, and it's, you know, I respect every man and woman that puts on the uniform and has to go out there. And I think, yeah, sure, there's some bad apples everywhere, but, you know, there's some cultural and structural things. And listen, part of the structural racism and sexism has run through police departments, fire departments, government. And so when I think about therapy and I think about if, if, if we as a country really went to therapy, what would the therapist say? The therapist would probably say we really need to be honest with our feelings. And so maybe honest with our feelings is acknowledging the fact that there's a certain percentage of people that are sexist and racist, and then we ain't never going to change them. We can show them how wrong they are. We can do whatever. But until they die off, they are just going to be stubborn as hell. But, again, from a therapy standpoint, we need to just be honest with ourselves. The, The second thing a therapist might say is, We need to open and effectively communicate. And that communication can't be one-sided. That's all parties expressing what's gone well, what hasn't gone well, where we've made progress, where we need improvement. And again, I think that runs through in the categories of racism and sexism. And... You know, the next part of therapy is, you know, how do we build a more healthy and stronger relationship? And right now, with without sounding, um, you know, like too much of a revolutionary, When I go back and think about the current state of affairs in government, I think to myself, this relationship is just not working. This relationship between we the people and the oligarchy that is making decisions, not very good ones, and the total fragmentation of these polarized communities of people that are, you know, so left or so right that, you know, we, in our effort to be honest with ourselves, in our effort to you know, understand and communicate effectively and openly, 
and actually understand that like we need to do things differently right we can't keep going down the path that we've been going down and that's what i think america's therapy is and this is only part of the therapy right like words only only count for so much there need to be fundamental shifts um and it won't happen quickly but if we can open the awareness and understand that nobody's perfect and we as a country haven't been perfect we've been doing the best we can and i would i would still argue it's the best place to live in the world and the best place to raise a family but i'm unhappy with our behavior and you know as my son would say it's very very frustrating when you're unhappy with your behavior and you can't change your behavior you can't control your behavior I mean I feel like I I I can't control the behavior of the country these days what is the recourse for the racist who doesn't like latino music on a construction site or the racist that you know is pissed off at you know some 80 year old chinese grandfather babysitting his kids who's in a hallway in a you know an upscale building in tribeca like how bad can that be really go back to china like no it's insane and you know i i i leave with this thought which is you know i think about you know this this racism which you know i i struggle with this understanding of how deep the the racism is in this country and i look back to you know my ancestors and you know specifically the holocaust and you know people just not acknowledging that racism right there was a there was a organized centralized effort in nazi germany to extinguish races that they no longer thought should be around and you know while we in the US are not extinguishing those races you know we've done a whole bunch of things structurally and with the judicial system and with creating ghettos in inner cities and limiting education and limiting resources and limiting all of these things to create a structural hurdle to inhibit the ability to migrate up a class or you know have the american dream you know pioneers Jackie Robinson 
Oprah Winfrey, you know, these amazing people that were the first to open up and go through all of the hardship in an effort to come out on the other side, to carry a message, to be the voice. You know, Oprah said something once that I I really found powerful, which was, you know, she really felt it her obligation to always ask the question that she she thought the the viewer really wanted wanted her to ask. And so I take and I say to all of us, you know, what's the therapy that you think we need? What's the therapy this country needs to find our values, to remember the roots that made us great, to understand that we are still that, are we still that one nation under God, which God, indivisible, by liberty and justice for all? What does that mean? How do we each play our role and our part in our day-to-day life, in our, you know, community to impact change? So when I say America, we need therapy. How do each of us help be an active participant to make this therapy productive and to really make us an amazing nation again. Thanks.